if you're watching online, feel free to use that chat, say hi to each other, let us know where you're from, where you're watching from. Um, that's awesome, and uh, we hope you're all blessed today. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to make your way to Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're continuing on here at Riverside. Just We've been going through verse by verse, chapter to chapter, in this great book of Ephesians, and we land here today on verse... <laughs> Verse 22. <laughs> Remember, everybody, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. I did not write this. And here's what we read in Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. It's a, a verse that gets some husbands yelling out, amen, and some wives yelling out, amen, must have written this. What is going on here? This is not an easy thing for preachers to deal with, and it's certainly not a popular one. It's one that I think can easily get dismissed, put away, not talked about too often, especially in this world we live in. And and yet what we see when we look at this in context, and that's why it's so important going through the word of God in context, is to see where this is building off of, because it's building off of really what we've seen through chapter five. I mean, all of the book of Ephesians just continues to kind of build off one another. But verse 21, we just saw how we're to be submitting one to another in the fear of God. So understand that this is not a directive that's exclusive for wise. This is something that we as Christians are called to do, to be walking in submission. It's building off of what we saw in verse 18 where it said, don't be drunk with wine, don't be influenced by the things of this world, but rather be, what? Filled with the Spirit. So this here now becomes outflows. It becomes the fruit of a life that is walking in the Spirit, that's walking in mutual submission one to another as Christians ought to. And that's really like we saw in Ephesians 5 verse 1, being imitators of God. That's what we're ultimately called to do, to be imitating him, to be walking this walk that's worthy of the calling which we've seen. And so Paul begins to lay out now for us all these things that that's gonna look like, this walk that's worthy, this walk that's imitating God, this walk that's being filled with the Spirit is gonna look like this. It's gonna have submission taking place in marriages. It's gonna have Christians, one with another, submitting, yielding, surrendering to one another. Now, when I was praying through this week about this, I was really considering doing a, a, a bit more of a topical message, kind of putting this aside, not because of the content we'd be dealing with, but maybe a little bit, maybe um, mostly because of the content we'd be dealing with, I wanted to put us in. No. Uh, I, I prayed about, you know, Lord, is there something that, we should be talking about just in relation to what's going on in the world uh, when we see a, a brother in the Lord being put in jail in Canada here, things we never thought we'd see when we see you know, uh, uh, our church, what we've been dealing with, and, and especially leading up to um, this judicial review that's taking place tomorrow. I thought, Lord, is there something that we need to just kind of direct our attention to? And that's not something we typically do uh, altering from what we are looking at in God's word, but I, I felt like maybe I can do both today. And I wanna talk a little bit this morning about submission, all right? Our, our mission is to live to the glory of God, right? 
to live to honor and praise him in this world we live, but our submission, our mission underneath all that too, is walking in submission to, in, in all these different ways and relationships that we have. Now, God, you see, has given us three institutions. He's given us family, going right back to Genesis chapter two. He's given us government that you can draw from in, in uh, Genesis nine even, looking at the first kind of law and prohibition being given, uh, governing over different things. And then we have the institution of the church. Three main institutions, family, government, and the church. And within each of those institutions, God has called us to submission, to submission within these things, within the family. God has given us a husband and a wife who have been given various responsibilities and roles that we're gonna start to look at here uh, in a bit and continue on next week, given husbands and wives various roles and responsibilities that include mutual submission to one another. And we're gonna be talking specifically about these things here, but of course, within the institution of family, we also have a byproduct of husbands and wives coming together, and we have children that oftentimes emerge, and children are also called into a role of submission and obedience to their parents. The family unit is something that God has given, and given to be a blessing to uh, really be a key component for a thriving and healthy society. It's interesting that what do you see developing happening today where we see such an attack going on against the family uh, to tear down what God has instituted to be a life source in society and to see the harm that's being done against the family to see how, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be in enough trouble probably as, as it is, so I'm not going to add to that right now, but we'll continue on here. We've, we've also been called to submit to our governing authorities, right? And for many, that becomes just an absolute. Bible says submit. Cause yourself to be subject to governing authorities. That becomes an absolute to people to the extent of they, they begin to have a, a real hard time with the actions of this church and other churches that have remained open during a time where health orders have said that you need to be closed for in-person worship. So they've looked at this and they go, how do you reconcile this when the Bible says be subjective to or be in subjection to governing authorities and now you're kind of going against that? How does that all relate? Well, we're gonna get to that in a moment here, but then we also have the institution of the church. That's the newest of these institutions and has been established for a community of believers to come together to the glory and the praise of God and to worship the Lord together. Understand this here, this is so wonderful because God has been a God that's always existed in fellowship and in community, right? Right from, he's been before time, he's always been, but he's always been in community with the Trinity to the point where God says in Genesis 1, let us, Make man in our image. What's God doing? He's creating man and inviting man to come in and enjoy this community that God has always enjoyed from eternity, along with the Trinity. And he's invited us in now as the church to be a community that gathers together to the worship and the praise of God to make disciples that we might continue to make Jesus known in this world. But there's a wonderful thing that happens here where we come together and we walk in submission one to another. And, and, and we need to, otherwise we're just gonna be at each other's 
throats because we're made up of people that have all different kinds of backgrounds and experiences. We, we're made up of people with different you know, personalities, different opinions to different things. And, and the world can look at this and go, how is it that you guys like to hang out together? I mean, how is it that you guys are not just destroying one another? And we can say, man, it's because we have the utmost commonality and unity in Jesus Christ. And we're together worshiping the Lord. So we do that in submission with one another. Now, we recognize that Christ is the head of the church. And so our desire is to follow him. And we honor him through our submission to him ultimately. Now, like I said, within each of these institutions, we've been called to submission. Now, why is submission such an important thing in the life of the believer? Well, there's a lot of different ways I think that you can answer that. I think Jesus kind of makes it kind of clear for us himself when he's called us to a life that is to be one of yielding ourselves or ultimately dying to self. This is the very life that Jesus has called us to. Luke 9, verse 23, when he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the life that Jesus has called us to. Guess what? That's the life of submission, where you are dying to self, you're taking up your cross. What is taking up your cross? It's the symbol of death. It's saying, I'm dying to self so that I might live to a greater cause than just myself. I'm living to the cause of Jesus Christ, living to be a blessing to one another. We're called to live that life of sacrifice. Paul says it in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? It's your reasonable service. Being a sacrifice oftentimes doesn't sound too reasonable to us, does it? We look at that, we go, what? Sacrifice? Listen, it's reasonable because Jesus modeled this life of submission to us, didn't he? When he came and he laid his life down, when he prayed in the garden, Father, if there be any other way, is there another way that we can save these people? Can I just throw out some Hail Marys and everybody gets right with me? Can I, is there another way other than the cross? But Jesus says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, God. Jesus modeled the submission and sacrifice and he went to the cross on your behalf, on my behalf, to do a work for us that we couldn't do ourselves. And he did it all by his grace and his mercy. He said, you can now receive the salvation freely because I've done the work to pay the penalty for your sins and to give you life. You can now receive this. And so this becomes a reasonable service because we've been brought into the life in and through Jesus Christ freely now by just simply putting our trust in him. He gave it all for me. So it's a very reasonable act for me to give my all to him now. And you see, this runs very much contrary to the way that this world is governed. And it's governed by the ruler of this world. When Jesus saves the life and transforms the life, one of the greatest ways that that's gonna be evidence now is when a person is willing to walk in surrender, in submission, in laying down their wants and their desires for the sake of ultimately serving others, more so for serving God. It's when we're willing to yield our own interest for the interest of others that submission begins to be seen. And this is what we've been called to. This is something that runs very contrary to the way that the world operates. 
The enemy would love to say, no, no, you've got to look out for yourself. Number one, you've got to take care of yourself. You've got to protect your rights, your desires, your wants. Don't let anybody you know, come and push you around. No, you've got to fight for your way. That's what the, the world dictates. That's what the enemy would love you to think. But Jesus comes with something so revolutionary, so different, that ultimately models what he did for us. So in the area of the home, you may have many relationships where that gets put to the test, where that gets practiced, this life of submission and surrender, right? In fact, when I'm marrying uh, people in our premarital counseling that I do with them, I say, listen, I mean, Jesus has called us to die to self, first and foremost, and he's given us marriage to be the arena that that gets to be put to the test the most right there. You want to get married? Well, you're going to begin to see very quick. It's going to quickly expose these areas that you have not done that yet. I've been married 25 years, right? And still, you see these areas of self continue to emerge from my wife who continues to fight through. No, it's, it's primarily me. That's, I'm the one. Uh, I, I still see areas that I'm like, I haven't laid, I haven't laid that down yet. I haven't, I haven't died to that yet. I need to give that up. I need to, I need to walk in, in more surrender and submission and, and blessing to those around me. So marriage will quickly expose where you've not done that. As well, we get to practice this submission in the church. Living in community, serving one another. As we're called to do in Ephesians 5.20, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You do so because you recognize what God has done for you. Fearing God is not about being afraid of God, cowering away from God. It's about understanding who God is, his holiness, this reverence we have to him, but to also say, God, you're a good God. And I don't wanna do anything that's contrary to you. I don't wanna disappoint you because you're a good God. I wanna honor you. So I'm gonna serve and submit to one another in the fear of God. Again, like we said, your, sub, your, your mission is to glorify God, but your submission, your mission underneath all of that now is to live this life that walks in surrender and submission that ultimately begins to point others to Jesus Christ. And yes, this role of submission gets carried out toward our government in civil matters. And herein lies the dilemma that many are faced with today that I, I, I wanna take some time to address before we really settle into our, our text in Ephesians 5, even though we're dealing with this theme of submission. And to look at kind of our role towards government, it's important that we look at what the Bible says here. We do that by going to Romans 13. If you wanna to turn to Romans 13 with me, uh, I'll put it up in the, on the wall here as well, but... Now, if you've got your Bibles, open up your Bibles and look at what Romans 13 says. It says there in verse one, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a, a terror to good works but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. Verse four, for he is, notice this, he is God's minister to you for good. 
But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. This here certainly covers our role towards government, but I think what it also does is it reveals government's role towards God. Now notice, first of all, it says that every soul be subject. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. It doesn't say let every soul be obedient. There's a bit of a difference there. Let everyone be subject. Peter says the same thing in addressing this, this context of our, our role towards government when he writes in 1 Peter 2, verse 13 and 14, therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. And again, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about this in a moment. But notice Romans 13, four. Romans 13, four says that they are ministers of God. In other words, these are people that are to be servants of God. And, and that implies then that they're to be carrying out God's order, God's will, God's word. They're to be servants of God. They're to uphold God's word and truth. This passage actually presupposes that the, the authority is functioning justly. This passage is revealing to us what this is supposed to look like when they are operating justly. Sadly, I think we can all agree that many today in offices of governing authority are not seeking to carry out God's truth according to God's word. We as the church are the bastions of truth. Our desire is not only to be accountable to governing authorities, but to see governing authorities accountable to their calling. We as believers need to pray for our governing leaders and we need to take a stand for what is right and true. When it says that they, are, they do what is good, or sorry, they're, verse three, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. That's what they're to be doing. They're to be enforcing law against what is evil. And where do we see what is, what is evil? Well, it's that which runs contrary. You know, that's shown to us in God's word here. But what we've seen is a bit of a reversal where sadly we see governing authorities that tend to side at times with that which is evil and they come against that which is good. And we've seen a big switch from what God has intended and designed for governing authorities according to his word here. So how do we reconcile this walk of obedience to God yet also be in subjection to authority? Well, for starters, we follow the dictates of the government when it comes to civil matters. They're here to do good, to protect you and protect your rights. Ultimately, that's what they're supposed to do and we pray that they will. But we understand we don't just pick you know, what laws we want to follow and claim we're citizens of heaven. We follow a different law. We don't have to do this or do that. No, we walk in subjection to authority even when it's something that we don't like. We don't pick and choose. But we are not required to obey governing authority when they run in contradiction to the word of God. Now, like I said, Church is to be the bearers of God's truth. We're the ones that seek to uphold 
the law, which is given to us by God, God's law, so though there are governing authorities over civil matters, they are not to move into matters within the operation of the church. God has given us his dictates, how we are to operate as a church, what we're called to do as a church. And the government is not to move out of their lane and move into the jurisdiction of the church because they don't have jurisdiction when it comes to how the church conducts or operates themselves. The word of God gives us that. And the government is to be upholding that truth. They're to be ministers of God. And when they don't, when they cease, when they fail to do that, that's when we have to look at and go, is civil disobedience now necessary? Now the idea of civil disobedience has been something I never thought I would have to deal with in my lifetime. Why do I have to talk about these things? This shouldn't be happening, especially in Canada. This should not be the case. Yet here we are. Like I said, some have taken Romans 13 as an absolute that we must be in subjection to governing authorities no matter what. But I think we can be in subjection to government all the while still walking in civil disobedience when necessary. I think Pastor James Coates said it well and is being an incredible example of all this for us right now. I'm shocked to think that we have a pastor in our own country from Edmonton here that is put in jail simply for conducting church. And it's shocking to see that. But here's what Pastor Coates said. He said, we can be in subjection to governing authorities by receiving the consequences for our civil disobedience. In other words, we don't fight back or resist we receive what they feel they need to do and know that they will be held accountable for their actions. Civil disobedience and submission do not need to be mutually exclusive. Civil disobedience and submission to government does not need to be mutually exclusive. Pastor Coates sits in a jail right now because he would not back down from what he believed was his God-given calling. Now, listen, you can agree or disagree with his decision or, or the terms of the decision. Some of you could say, well, he didn't need to go to that extent. I don't know if I would have gone to that extent at this time and at this place. But listen, he has got my utmost respect. And I, I pray for this man. I pray for his family. I am thankful for him. He's a brother in the Lord. And he chose to follow what he felt God was doing. And we, I believe that God is, is using him. Somebody, somebody mentioned um, in one of our, our prayer times that isn't it interesting how a lot of these you know, prison ministries have been unable to go into jail because of COVID? Well, God just said, I'm gonna put one of my men in there then, okay? We'll just see the gospel continue to go out. And we know he's gonna be faithful in, in doing that. But listen, I know what it's like to do something that others will disagree with and, and be attacked over it. And I'm certainly not negative or, or attacking James Code. He's got my support, and I'm praying for him, and I hope that you will too. Anybody that has a, a, a heart for this country and a desire for our freedoms to be upheld should be praying for this man and praying for God to continue to move here. In fact, what I find to be very surprising is to see how many people are being led more so, it seems, by the notion to love your neighbor over obedience to God. Being a good witness, loving your neighbor are important things. I'm all, we need to do that, people. Listen, 
We need to be loving our neighbors. We need to be being a witness in this world here, but they must never trump our allegiance to God and to what God has told us in his word. I feel like some have, have made the approval of others the measure for whether or not they're acting in accord with God's word. Can I say that the approval of the public must not be our guide for what we choose to do? Likewise, the disapproval of the public must not alter what we do. God's word is a determining factor and we must obey God rather than men. So listen, don't get me wrong here. I desire to be winsome in front of the world. I wanna serve and love the world and show them the blessing that there is in a life found in Jesus Christ. I wanna to continue to reach out. I don't dismiss the world. I wanna reach out to the world. I wanna love the world. I wanna be a witness to them. But my chief goal is honoring God. And my honoring God will sometimes be met with ridicule and mocking by the world. Should that cause me to change my ways or do something different? No, Christ is the one that I follow. Christ is the one that we all need to follow first and foremost. And listen, Jesus made it pretty clear, didn't he when, he, when he shared with his disciples that, hey guys, you're not gonna be guaranteed a, a, an easy walk here in this world. What did Jesus say to them? He said in John 15, verse 18 and 20, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world will love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, well, they'll keep yours also. Jesus lays it out for his disciples here. If they would come against me, what makes you think they're gonna give you a pass? If we're promoting Jesus, don't expect the world to cozy up next to you. You just wanna sing Kumbaya with you. Listen, if they can accept Mr. Potato Head, what makes you think they're gonna accept you? <laughs> Have you heard the news this week? Cancel culture strikes again. Mr. Potato Head is out because he's not gender inclusive. Seriously. And so this is, this is the way of the world, it's getting nuttier and nuttier. And they're dismissing this, they're dismissing that, they're canceling that, and guess what? They're not too much in favor of Jesus or his followers. And, and that's the reality of the world that we live in, sadly. Now, we hope they'll change and that they'll see the blessing that God has for them because he does, but we must not change our ways to try to fit in with their ideology. We must uphold the truth and walk in the truth. We're never gonna win by trying to, yeah, by trying to compromise and, and relate and just go along and say, well, I, I, wanna, I wanna leave this out, leave that out because I don't wanna seem like I'm unloving. It's unloving to not present the truth. It's very loving to say, here's who Jesus is and here's what he has for you. And we're not gonna cower in, in fear or in worry. We wanna walk in obedience to God. Listen, persecution can be expected, right? 2 Timothy 3.12 says that all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Do you, do you hear that? It's not as we would like it to read, all who live godly might face persecution. Possibly, you know, it says all who desire to live godly will 
face persecution. It's inevitable. Living righteously in an unrighteous world is not going to make it popular. And many are going to come against you for it. And here's the thing that I find odd as well is that many, many excuse their compliance because they say, well, this isn't persecution. The government's not persecuting us. They're, they're not telling us that we can't you know, have church. We can do it online. This isn't persecution. When persecution comes, then I will take a stand. But can I just say that without civil disobedience, there is no need for persecution. In other words, when everybody walks in compliance to what we're being told to do, there's never any need to persecute. Civil disobedience brings persecution. There would be no fiery furnace if there wasn't civil disobedience. There would have been no lion's den if there wasn't civil disobedience. There would be no beatings against the apostles if there wasn't civil disobedience. It's your obedience to God that's ultimately going to lead to persecution. We don't wait for persecution to come to say, now I take a stand. It's because we we take a stand for what is true and right in obedience to God that brings persecution. And that's what we're dealing with when we see government that's overturning things that are to be good for evil. We're dealing with serious times here. And it's time that we say, I can't just roll over and let that happen. I need to stand up for what is true and right. And in our civil disobedience, we uphold God's word as the highest law, and yet we bring ourselves into subjection, submission to what the government decides to do. In other words, we don't resist, we don't fight. Listen, this is not a, this is, our our fight is not against the government. In other words, we don't rally around in a physical way against the government. We receive what they are gonna do when we do stand up for the truth of God's word. Our fight, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. We, we understand that. So we receive it and we let God take care of those things. We let God bring those people into accountability. We trust God in all those things. So we submit and we make ourselves sub, subject to governing authorities, all the while maintaining obedience to God. Submission to government is not absolute. Just like wives submitting to their husbands is not always an absolute. You wives know full well that if your husband were to cause you to sin or desire to lead you into sin, as a child of God, you're gonna stand up and say, I cannot do that. There's a, a lot that can be said about all this, but I pray you today just get a, a better biblical view of what we're called to do, what we're called to be as Christians in this world that we live in and find ourselves in. These are challenging days, but I pray that we will not forsake our number one priority, and that is obedience to God. May we be able to follow him, and yet let our light shine brightly in the dark days that we find ourselves in. Let our light shine brightly for Jesus. So, back to Ephesians 5. 
22 as we've taken a huge detour just to look at submission a little bit and in relation to where we find ourselves today. But here again, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how many people who, and trust me, oh boy, I've had so many people throwing Romans 13 you know, in our face. How can you as a church be open? Don't you read, you need to follow your Bible. God's not happy with you. It says submit to the, you know, we've had people, Christians, you know, Bible says submit to God. And I wonder how many of these people that are quick to throw Romans 13 into your face are quick to uphold Ephesians 5.22. Are there any of those people that are saying, submit to the government, but why submit to Come on, get out of here. That's not needed for today. We don't need that. Listen, if Ephesians 5.22 is not needed for today, then Romans 13 isn't needed for today. But we know and believe that, yes, this is applicable for today. This is God's word. This is truth. That doesn't change. And even though everything else might fade away, his word will never fade away. So, we understand the importance of this. And, and yet, this is met with people claiming that this is old school, it's old fashioned, it doesn't apply in our modern world anymore. And yet, that would be saying that God's word is no longer applicable. And we know it is. Now, here's what is being said for us here. Why submit? And if you don't like what you're hearing, again, don't get mad at me. If you don't like the idea of submission, then as we've seen, you're gonna have a hard time living as a Christian because this is what we're all called to do as believers in Christ. This becomes the standard for the believer. And don't just throw out civil disobedience now. Well, I like that civil disobedience thing. Can I do that in my marriage? Can I just civilly disobey and say, I'm not gonna go along with that. I'm gonna uphold obedience to the Lord. Well, no, your submission to your husband, look at what Paul says. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In other words, there's no place for civil disobedience here because your obedience to the Lord is seen and evidenced by your obedience to your husband. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Your submission to your husband is revealing your ultimate submission to the Lord, to Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other. They, they go together here. And of course, again, submission to your husband does not mean that you submit to abuse or to where your husband is calling you to do something that is contrary to God's word. And the Bible elaborates here on why it's important for the wife to submit because it's God's order. It's his way of aligning things for there to be harmony. Look at what it says in verse 23. For the husband is head of the wife, just as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body, of the, the body of Christ, the church. You see, for marriage to work, there needs to be order. God is a God of order. How many people like order? You like order? If you don't have order, what do you have? Chaos. Chaos. How many people like chaos? Please don't raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you if you do, but we, this obviously, it's like, no, we love order. And God says, I'm a God of order. And let me share with you how you're gonna experience the blessed peace of order in your home. It begins with wives submitting to your husbands. And we saw already how this word submit 
or we talked about this last week. Submit means to arrange under. See, there's a rank within the marriage relationship that is to be a picture of our relationship to Jesus and of Jesus to the Father. And this rank has nothing to do with who is better or who is superior. It has to do with God's given headship. See, in pretty much every institution or corporation, you're gonna find that there needs to be a leader. Because again, without a leader, you're gonna have chaos. So God appoints leaders to bring peace and harmony. Paul would also reiterate this in 1 Corinthians 11.3, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So for husbands, you need to recognize that you're not called to just go ahead and be like some dictating ruler over your husband, some heavy-handed authoritarian over your, your wife. Did I say husband over husband? Oh man, that's a bad mess up. The world's going, amen, preach it. Okay, no. <laughs> Third service, all right, okay. Um, and so the husband's not walking around with this heavy authoritarian style over the wife. The husband needs to recognize, I am in submission. I have a head over me, and that's Christ. And I wanna live in a way that honors Christ, that walks in submission to Christ. And the husband is gonna walk in submission and honor his head being Christ by honoring his wife, loving his wife the right way, treating his wife justly and rightly. You have to understand, every, Every leader needs to understand that they also are under authority. If you have a leader that doesn't think he's under authority, you're, you're gonna have just a mess. Every leader needs to recognize they're under authority and the husband is under authority of Christ. And the wife just simply needs to come under the husband. Ultimately, we're all together in this. Again, having this mutual submission. Jesus demonstrated this so well. He was, he was completely equal to the Father, but he willingly submitted himself to the Father, and, and he came in the likeness of men. Philippians chapter two is that great passage that reveals that. This didn't change his equality in the Godhead, but it did show his position in the Godhead, one of willingness to submit to the headship of the Father. Verse 24 it says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So our subjection as a church to Christ is a model for wives being subject to their husbands. In other words, their disagreement in this position is equivalent to a member of the church saying, you know what, I don't really feel like submitting to Christ. You look at that person and go, what? Are you really a Christian? This should not even be a question. It's a big deal, isn't it? And it shouldn't be that, or it should be that way for the wife in relation to her husband. There's no question this. I, I submit to my husband just as the church submits to Christ. Now, I want you to notice something. It says that wives are to be subject to who? To their own husbands. It says it in verse 22, it says it again in verse 24. You see, this is not some universal application or role between males and females. Right, and, and I think sometimes men have kind of blurred the lines a little bit to walk around strutting their stuff thinking like, I'm the superior one here. Ladies, you need to listen to me. You need to submit. No, 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 they're, 
Ladies are not called to submit to you just because you're a man. They're called to submit to their own husbands, not to you. Don't try to carry some power trip over ladies. This isn't your role. You're all one. Bible backs it up, Galatians 3.28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's a mistaken notion to think that all women need to be a little submissive to men in general. That's not what the word of God says. We're, we're all to walk in a manner where we're submitting one to another and where we are esteeming others better than ourselves. Philippians 2 Verse three says that. Esteem others better than yourself. In other words, if you're a woman, don't have a power trip over men. If you're a man, don't have a power trip over women. Walk in submission. Walk in love one to another. There's no place for the church, in the church, for anyone to have any kind of superior view over one another. But within the marriage, wives are called to submit and be subject to their own husbands. Now, some of you ladies may not be enjoying this, thinking it's outdated, it's outlandish, it's out of bounds. This is uncalled for. This is not what we need for today. But do you realize that this is what God has instituted and he's done so for your blessing? Can I encourage you, wives, to trust the Lord in this? He's the great architect of marriage. He's the one that gave us marriage. I think he knows the way that this is gonna be lived out in its fullest blessing. And I encourage you, wives here, and wives or ladies watching online, to tune in next week, come back next week, because you may just begin to see that you've got the easier part of the deal in this relationship. It doesn't get any easier for the husbands, and we're gonna talk about them next week, all right? I mean, we've got just like a couple verses regarding wives, but God's like, man, I gotta take a whole lot more verses to deal with husbands here. And we're gonna do, do that next week as we finish out the chapter. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for who you are. God, we thank you for marriage. We thank you that you've given us roles and responsibilities. And though we can look at these and think, man, really, do I have to do that? Help us to see, Lord, that you've instructed us this way because this is what's gonna ensure blessing and peace and harmony in the relationship. So I pray for our marriages represented here and online and throughout our church. We pray that you would just strengthen relationships. And, and I pray that you'd strengthen relationships one with another as we talked about this role of submission in general in all these different institutions. Lord, we wanna walk in a way that is representing you well walking in submission. And we do pray for our, our government. We pray for Dr. Bonnie Henry and for uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix, our Premier John Horgan. Lord, we want these uh, men and, and women to ultimately come to know you. We pray for their salvation. We pray that they would experience the blessed life that you have for them and that their desire in their heart would be to follow in line with you and your word and your will and what you've instructed for us. And so we pray that you would do that, God. And Lord, just lead us on now to live in a way that honors you, that walks in obedience, no matter how hard that might be at times. Let us uphold you, your standard, your will, your word above everything else, God, and allow you to lead through whatever you wanna do and accomplish through that. 
So we ask this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.